Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're looking at the difference between acute pain and chronic pain. With acute pain, such as you might experience when you hit your thumb with a hammer, it can be all-consuming. You can think of nothing else. But usually, acute pain is temporary. While you're experiencing it, dealing with the acute pain, it takes priority and crowds out virtually anything else. Chronic pain, on the other hand, is something you deal with on a daily basis. It's a little like having a rock in your shoe. It can be annoying. It slows you down. Oftentimes, the pain is not bad enough to motivate you to take off your shoe and get the rock out. You grumble, you complain, but rarely do anything about it. Well, our financial system is experiencing both of these types of pain simultaneously. Inflation is analogous to chronic pain, and bank failures definitely fall into the acute pain category. We've been hearing from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell for months now about the importance of taming inflation. The Fed has seemed singularly focused on this one task. This coming Wednesday, the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee meets as they regularly do every six weeks. But the Fed has been quiet during this period of acute market disruption. That's because there's a 10-day quiet period, a blackout window, in advance of each FOMC meeting. The question on everyone's mind is whether the Fed will raise interest rates by 50 basis points, as telegraphed in the last Senate Banking Committee meeting, or perhaps 25 basis points, or maybe do nothing at all. No doubt the analysts at the Federal Reserve will be observing the European Central Bank's recent action of raising rates in Europe by 50 basis points. Markets around the world seem to be ignoring central bankers' desire to raise short-term interest rates. There's a global flight to safety with financial institutions all over the world buying high-quality short-term instruments that can be used as collateral in the event of a liquidity shortfall. Even Japanese bonds are selling at a premium, with the yield on the 10-year notes having fallen by nearly 25 basis points over the past week, despite the fact that the Japanese central bank has artificially held the interest rate on these bonds to a maximum of half a point. Despite the 50 basis point increase in European rates, the market demand for high-quality European sovereign debt has been so high that the yield on German bonds has fallen by 52 basis points for the one-year bond and a whopping 71 basis points for the two-year bond. These types of yield drops in such a short time period are without precedent. There's a global flight to safety. Even U.S. T-bills, the four-week and the eight-week T-bills in last week's auction, sold at a yield of zero. That's right, zero. It seems it's safer to have cash sitting in four-week T-bills, earning zero, rather than a bank account that might default, earning zero. If you look at what the Federal Reserve has done in the past week, it may offer some clues as to what they might do later this week. It's important to pay attention to both what people say and, more importantly, to what they do. An examination of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet shows they added nearly $300 billion to their balance sheet in just one week. They've effectively negated the last four months of quantitative tightening in one week. The Fed have not announced a new quantitative easing program, but adding $300 billion to the balance sheet in my mind, can only be described as quantitative easing. Yes, I know it's got a one-year expiration, and that's different, but still, they've added $300 billion to their balance sheet in a week. In that same week, banks accessed the Fed's discount window to the tune of $85 billion. That's more than the worst week of the pandemic. In fact, the last time we saw banks accessing the discount window to that degree was in September of 2008, at the same time that Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Federal Reserve is hopefully going to look at the data in totality, as Jerome Powell said he would. The Fed has seen a weakening job market, although still stronger than average, and the latest CPI data shows a slowing rate of inflation, but still elevated. 
Oil prices have fallen, which should translate into lower transportation costs by next quarter. But the contagion seems to have spread. It's gone way beyond Silicon Valley Bank. There's Silvergate, Signature Bank, Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse agreed to be taken over by UBS for a little more than $3 billion. The $50 billion extended by the Swiss Central Bank was not enough to calm market fears about the financial stability of Credit Suisse. The forced sale of Credit Suisse was done hastily over the weekend. In addition to the $3 billion purchase price, the Swiss National Bank has guaranteed an additional $6 billion in emergency funding to UBS in the event that things go bad. At the same time, the Swiss bank regulator announced that they were wiping out $17 billion in bonds belonging to Credit Suisse. Let's put this in perspective. Only a few months ago, Credit Suisse issued an equity offering of $4 billion, and now they sold the entire enterprise for $3 billion. That's a massive haircut to the equity holders in the bank, in addition to the $17 billion in bonds that were written down over the weekend. But this is not all limited to Credit Suisse. First Republic has become the latest U.S. pressure point. Its stock has fallen more than 80% in March. Customers have pulled some $70 billion in deposits, almost 40% of the total. In a deal struck late last week, $30 billion in new deposits from 11 of the U.S. largest banks will give First Republic a chance to consider some of its future options. But frankly, I don't see this injection of cash as sufficient to restore confidence in the bank. As I look at the data in its entirety, I see a banking system that has not contained the fears of last week. In fact, if anything, it's spreading. Now, there are some substantial backstops that have been put in place. According to a paper published over the weekend by J.P. Morgan, they're anticipating that the Federal Reserve will take on an additional $2 trillion onto its balance sheet as a result of the program that they put in place last week. Now, folks, we have a banking system that has switched in a matter of a couple of weeks from being in business as usual, albeit cautious, to banks operating in survival mode. I personally predict that acute pain is going to take precedence over chronic pain. The question is whether the Fed will lose control over market influence. If the Fed raises rates this coming Wednesday, you can expect a massive flight out of equities, and I would predict a significant drop in the stock market later this week. The Fed's in a virtually impossible position because they're forced to choose between acute pain and chronic pain. If they choose the acute pain, the chronic pain is still there. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.